Welcome back to the Talking Thomas podcast, your podcast for all things Thomas and Friends, Shining Temptation, the Railway Series, etc. Anything to do with the Thomas Ufra, as you as as you will. Uh, I'm Tony, and I'm Orion, and uh, we're here doing another Railway Series book review. And uh, the Railway Series book that we're focusing on is. Toby the Tram Engine, which uh, fittingly is number seven. So, uh, yes, so let's just start off. Uh, Orion, what are your general thoughts on the book? Um, I think it's a good book. I, I, I think it has some really solid stories in it. Um, Toby is, um, is one of my favorite characters. Um, mm. I think is, it's one of the Reverend W. Audrey's most clever introductions of a character. Yes. Um, and uh, in terms of really creating a need for that character. Um, and it's just so charming. Um, and I love the idea of a, of a tramway. Uh, once again, kind of de- it really develops the world of, um, of Sodor and the different types of railways and different types of industry um, and railway environments that they would right. have, especially at that time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a charming book. It's a, it's a lovely little book, um, and it features some of the the characters that we have um, been introduced to in previous stories that interact with this new character um, in a very clever way. Oh, I think so too. Um, I I liked this book quite a bit. It's uh, I, again, I can't necessarily say it's one of my favorites, but it's such a charming little book. And uh, you know, uh, the Reverend W. Audrey seemed to have. A real soft spot for Toby. He would never say which engine was his favorite because to him that was like picking your favorite child. But um, you know, he he clearly had an affinity for Toby, and that carried on to Christopher as well because Christopher has admitted that uh, Toby is one of his own favorite engines. And, and so, he and he, and Christopher wrote some of his best stories, I think, for Toby. I would agree. Yes. Um, but yeah, let's um, now. This book actually was uh, you know of course most of these stories were written within like within a year of publication and this book was released in 1952 now in august the year before uh over a uh, over a holiday um over a holiday weekend i should say um the reverend and his uh, i guess at the time two children uh christopher and I forget which of his daughters is the eldest, but um, uh, either way, his family were on holiday uh, in Great Yarmouth, and the they saw a tram engine that uh, would uh, that would inspire you know, and the Reverend found the tram engine that they had seen so fascinating that it inspired him to write this book. So, right, and that was on the uh, Wispetchen Upwell. Yes. Yes. It was a tramway. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, and um, and also they um, later on had the basis of Mavis as well, which would be introduced to many many railway series uh, book reviews later. Yes. When we get into to Mavis, but anyway, uh, Toby, great character, um, and the the nice thing too is that you know see reginald dalby and again um you know we we try to kind of always have a little bit of a um a soft spot for him because he i feel has been maybe over the years um unfairly criticized by people who aren't really criticizing him 
of their own accord. They're only echoing the sentiments of a few people in the fandom right. for many, many years right. and the Reverend's own criticisms of him, but not really ever looking at his art themselves and giving their view on it particularly. Um, and, uh, and I think his illustrations of Toby are just so delightful. Oh yes. Um, and are some of his best, I think in terms of character. Um, yes. It's just a, such a, delightful little character what a lovely shape um and i know in you know in the foreword wilbert says that toby is a funny little engine with a queer shape um but he's you know it's a delightful shape and he's a delightful character um and you know jumping right into the first story toby and the stout gentleman this is such an interesting reveal um and it's something that was a bit confusing for me uh, watching the tv series as a kid because um it they you know they this tries to kind of like pretend like you wouldn't know who sir topping hat was right um in a way which is kind of an it's an interesting choice i have to say it is um by the reverend w audrey and i'm not quite sure why he did that um but uh but i mean it ends up working out at the end and and of course um you know like i said at the intro here it's a great way to introduce this new character because we have a need for it which is yes. uh, introduced in, into the next story but this is nice that we get kind of something that's a little bit more isolated um mm-hmm. from the rest of uh, yeah it's not even on sodor technically right um and uh it, it's nice it's a nice little story and nice little character um and as i said features some some great illustrations one particular illustration that sticks out to me is um the illustration of the crew and um, Sir Topham Hat and his children in the cab. Yes. Um, and we get this just beautiful green fields and flowers out the, out the front and um, really get a nice sense of place there. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I agree completely. It's, it's a really nice story. Um, now what's interesting is that um I, I have to actually pedal back on something that we literally just mentioned a few minutes ago in that apparently uh, they didn't vacation at the Wispeck and Upwell uh, tramway, uh, according to Christopher, at least. According to Christopher Audrey, they wouldn't go there until, um, until Easter weekend 1952, by which point the Toby stories had already been written and were either had already been published or were on their way to the publisher. So from what I gather uh the place that they were vacationing in august of 1951 in yarmouth was a fish key actually which i found interesting in that you know obviously the reverend must have done a lot of looking up on the west button up well after seeing the tram there and probably finding out where it originated from i would assume uh because even though he hadn't been there a lot of the uh imagery in this first story does mirror the Wispet and Upwell at, at the time. So I, I just think it's kind of funny uh, that, and, and maybe, you know, obviously Christopher wrote this several years later, so it could be that his memory was failing him. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, I just find it kind of funny that um, the stories were written and it was a Wispet and Upwell type tram on a railway based on the Wispet and Upwell that they hadn't seen on that railway yet. They had seen right. that tram, of course, at a key, uh, but, you know, it, I don't know. I just, I just found that kind of funny, and I'm not sure if it's an author error or, you know, m- maybe maybe the Reverend just really got into the Wispet and Upwell after seeing the tram engine that would inspire him to create Toby. I don't know. 
Um, it's just one of those things. I found that interesting. Uh, but the story itself is fantastic. Um, to your point about why uh, the Reverend would try to conceal uh, the stout gentleman or the fat controller's identity, maybe he wanted this to be a jumping on point for new readers. I would assume. I mean, not that not that any of the stories were really that interconnected yet. I mean, obviously within books, within books they were, but most of the storylines were pretty self-contained with the books that they were in. You know, aside from Henry's illness. Yeah, I suppose. I it just I, it's not something. I mean, it ends up working out in the end, as I said. But I'm not right. sure that it was the best choice. Maybe it. It's right. just. I, I, as a child, I found it confusing, particularly, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't read the railway, the railway series story until I was older, but, sure. um, but in the TV series, I, I found it very confusing. Um, yeah. and, um, but something else interesting about the story, particularly and the whole, you know, kind of Toby, um, the Toby story in general is right. that this is really the first time that we have any sign that there's a threat to a railway or a threat to an engine's, um, existence that isn't necessarily placed upon them either by an ailment that they have uh, with Henry in the previous book or by something that they've done with Henry in the first book or James um, in the second book being shut up or I mean in the third book being shut up in the shed or you know whatever that might be but this is the first time that it mentions that you know the real that Toby's tramway is is failing because of the buses and lorries um, that are taking away the traffic so I think it's it, that's interesting that this is kind of the first time. Once again, we're we're venturing outside Sodor. Um, I mean, even though that hadn't really been established yet, but it's still not on the same. It's clearly established that there that this is not the same railway as right. our other friends are on, right. but also that the real world is kind of creeping in a little bit, um, and that's something that of course would develop a lot more in later stories. Um, yeah, but this is kind of the first time that that's even mentioned. I hadn't thought about that until just now when you mentioned it, but yeah, this is kind of the first time that the real world has creeped in. I mean, obviously we do uh, have the one bit where the fat, uh, at the time fat director is buying Percy, but even that you could technically say it could be on Sodor, but this is most definitely not Sodor. Um, you know, it is elsewhere and it, it's interesting to see the effect that, um, uh, it's funny because actually earlier um, at the time of recording earlier in the day, I was watching the uh, old 50s, 60s uh, BBC series Railway Roundabout. Uh, and uh, the, the episode that I was watching actually mentioned that several of the lines had either been failing or closing due to um, roadways and buses and such as that. And so I just thought it was kind of a funny coincidence that we happened to be recording this on the same day that I'd watched an episode of Railway Roundabout where they talked about this. so That is interesting. Yeah. And so that moves us into our second story, Thomas in Trouble. Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, this is a, a lovely story and, uh, yeah. and a great use of Thomas, I think. Oh. Um, and uh, this is probably the first time, I guess, that it's mentioned that there is a quarry at the end of Thomas's branch line. Um, right. Then that uses those exact words. There is a line to a quarry at the end of Thomas's branch. Um, yes, it does. So it's it, really the first time that we get a glimpse of some of the other industry on his line and why it exists, why there is a branch line there. Um, and uh, but it's nice. I love the illustration of uh, the long curve that goes along the road um, towards the quarry where the policeman is sitting. Um, it's a nice 
Um, it's a nice little illustration and, mm-hmm. and really gives you a feeling of the, you know, the British countryside. Definitely. Um, and this is really the first time that we have interaction between a human character and, um, and an engine with actual dialogue between them, extensive dialogue between them. That's not Sir Topham Hatt or drivers. Right. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting. And, and one of the only times really that that ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a nice story. Um, and, uh, you know, an interesting story. And again, really, um, really clever, very, very clever on the Reverend W. Audrey's part to, um, have a tramway like environment at the end of Thomas's branch yeah. line. So therefore you need a tram engine because mm-hmm. Thomas can't have cow catchers and side plates. Um, it's just a, it's, it's a great, great way to introduce this new character. Um, and um, another illustration that I particularly like in this story is the inside of Sir Topham Hatt's house. I was going um, to mention that. that I just beautiful. love that window. Um, and it's nice to see him in his uh, domestic environment. Yes. But um, yeah, this is a, a nice little story. Um, and uh, it's nice to see more of Thomas on his branch line. It is. Um, it is very convenient as well. To, as you said, it is very convenient that there's, there just happens to be a tramway just after you know the fat controller's gotten back from a holiday where he spent much of the, that holiday on a tramway <laughs> so um i i do like you know obviously we've we've talked before about how there's a lot of uh, uh carryover and character development i like how thomas still retain, retains his cheeky uh nature and that's something that you know we carry on throughout much of the um throughout much of the series but the bit that i love in particular is when he's talking to uh the policeman the irate policeman and uh, the policeman asks where is your cow catcher and i love thomas says, i don't catch cows sir right and it's hard to know i mean I, it's it's hard to know it is is thomas being funny or is he being innocent i mean or you know does he yes. is he really being funny um, or is he really just not know what a cow catcher is? Because he might not. I mean, there, he, there's that, no other true. tram engine on Sodor, so how would he know? That's very true. What a cow um, catcher is. Um, I, I, but I it, is, of, it is funny. I, I sort of look at it from the perspective of he's clearly, you know, I, I, he, he doesn't know what a tram engine is. I, I would say that I don't think he knows what a tram engine is. And so, no, I don't think he's deliberately being funny. But just the fact that he would say something like that, you know, the fact that he doesn't know what a cow catcher is, we, the audience, because we presumably just read the last story, Toby and the Stout Gentleman, we have some idea of what a cow catcher is now. And so it's just kind of funny. It, it's, it's more of a joke for the reader that Thomas is unintentionally making rather than him trying to be funny. Right, yeah, but I do think that's one of the great lines in the Railway series, actually. I think yes. it's it's one of the Reverend W. Audrey's um, greatest pieces of dialogue, um, yes. which wasn't always his strong suit, but, but <laughs> I, I do really think that that's really one of his great lines. Mm-hmm. What's also interesting, too, the illustration of the, um, of the road sign beside yep. um, there, and that's pro- the first time that we really see any of the other place, place names on the branch line. So we do yeah. see Olfstead and Arlesboro and uh, and Farquhar. Um, yep. So that's uh, that's interesting that those were um, were even named at that time. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just quite interesting. 
it, uh, I'll touch more on this later, but this is really one of the big world building books uh, of of the series. And like I said, I'll touch more on it uh, towards the end when we're wrapping things up. But uh, yeah, that that is interesting that that we see place names already. And I I can only assume that this is when uh, the Reverend was getting ideas for what this region was going to be. True. Yeah, and he was working with George on right. uh, on developing the island. Right. Um, but the next story is Dirty Objects. It um, is. And just as the last story introduced Toby to Thomas, yep. intro- this introduces Toby to James. And, and yep. again, it's just a great way to to keep introducing um, the new character to existing characters. And, and this is nice, too, because, again, I mean, really, this has a little bit to do with Toby, but it is mostly a James story. But, but the... Um, but the overall kind of joke of the story has to do with uh, with the interaction between Toby and James. So, right. so it is interesting um, that, it, that it ends up working out like that. It is. Um, it, it, it's, it is interesting. It has, I mean, Toby, I guess, does have sort of a... For, for only appearing in the first and last scenes of this story, Toby does have a fairly big role because the whole reason James gets into his accident is because he is distracted um, because of his discussion with Toby. And, you know, he's busy thinking about what he'll say to Toby next time they meet. And, you know, he's not paying attention. And then the, uh, the trots get the better of him. And so, you know, despite, despite not appearing very much, Toby does have quite an impact on the story as a whole. Well, and truthfully, this is very much in the vein of old iron in that it's yes. uh, making, you know, yeah, you know, making fun of um, of an older engine, um, and uh, and an attribute of that engine, and then James. Um, no, of course, old iron ends much better for James, but yeah. um, uh, and it features a bit more of a um, of a redeeming ending as opposed to um, a comeuppance kind of ending like this yeah. one does. But it's still kind of the same idea. Um, but it it works. It works really well, and again, just shows the the interaction between Thomas's branch line and the rest of the main line, um, in in a great way, and and features mm-hmm. another great accident. So, um, it's it's a good story. Oh, the the accident is, it it's a great uh, it's it's a fantastic accident, and I I love the illustration of, um, the post accident with James covered in tar, you know, with the broken uh, tar, uh, tankers, uh, in front of him. It's really, it's a really nice, uh, I I have to agree with your sentiment from earlier. C. Reginald Dalby sometimes gets slated unfairly, I would say, because a lot of these illustrations are just great. And you're right, particularly that one where he hit the tar tankers and the fact that the the truck behind him, the van behind him, throughout all of the illustrations that he is in, um, this van has a face on him um, yes. and, has a, and has a reaction, which is something that we hadn't really seen very much yet. Right. Um, John T. Kenny was the one who really developed that idea of the trucks having faces and, and the, the, you know, and, and was used to great effect in certain stories such as dirty oh, work. Uh, um, but, um, but yeah, it's nice that this, this van has a face throughout all of these illustrations. So. Right. I, you know, I I just think this is a fantastic story, and it's one of, uh, it's one of uh, Christopher Audrey's favorite stories as well. Uh, you know, and um, I, I, I have to wonder. Uh, obviously, the Reverend would say that he doesn't have favorite stories, but 
this one is so well written that I have to wonder if it was one of his favorites to write as well. Because it just, it seems like he's having a genuinely good time writing this. Not that he's not in all the other books, of course, but it just seems like there's a lot of excitement in this story, you know? Right. And of course, at the end, uh, Toby is um, given a new coat of paint um, yeah. and he'll, he's going to be chocolate and blue instead mm-hmm. of just his um, kind of older, lighter brown um, and, and no blue. Um, now, as someone who grew up with the TV series, of course, um, mm-hmm. where they did not change Toby's color for, for obvious reasons, merchandising and, and everything right. like that. Um, what are your thoughts on Toby's um the blue the blue and brown toby of the railway series or at least some of the railway series you know i don't mind it i i don't again you know you and i have touched upon many times that we that we and most of the people listening to this will have seen the tv series long before reading the railway series at least in in most of our cases uh you know and so i when i first read this years ago when i was about nine or ten i always kind of thought it was weird it was like Oh, why is why are Toby's side plates and cowcatchers blue now? Uh, but I I I got over it pretty quickly, and you know I don't mind it per se. I I almost I, I know why they wouldn't change the model for the TV series, and I totally understand that. But I almost would have liked to have seen what that model would look like for the TV series. Um, no, yeah, I agree absolutely. Like as a what if kind of uh, well, kind well, just of situation. Like, well, just like I would have liked to have seen uh, Henry in blue or Donald and Douglas in blue, who we'll get to much, much later when we get to the twin engines. But, you know, I, 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 I always, having seen the TV series and reading the railway series afterwards, I always kind of think of like, I, I always sort of look at it as a what if, you know, and it's like, you know, oh, what if the TV series had done this? That would have been interesting to see, you know, Um and so, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those things where I, I don't really mind it. What are your thoughts on the chocolate and blue? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's okay. I'm not really a fan of it. I, I prefer Toby and his just original colors, right. honestly. But um, I, I don't think that the blue really works very well mm. for it. But I, but I suppose at the time, that was kind of the idea is that the Northwestern Railway, or at least most of the engines, would, would be blue. Right. So um, other than, I guess, Henry and James and Percy yeah. at that time. But, but uh, the original idea, anyway, yes. I think, was that a lot of them would be blue. So yes. it, it's not bad, but it's just not not what I prefer. I prefer the, the Toby that I grew up with, which is just the brown. Yeah, brown with the classic, um, you know, just the grayish silver side plates and cowcatchers. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and, that, and that's the nice thing. That's what's so cool about Toby, too, yeah. is, that, is that Toby's wood. I mean, it's cool to have the wood, um, you know, the wood siding it on is. him. Um, that, that makes it stand out from the other engines, um, especially. So, yeah. it, I just probably why i like toby so much because he's, he's just such a unique character and a unique engine um in terms of his his basis well yeah and his, um, his shape is very interesting you know his his basis is interesting in general you know the um yeah the the type of tram engine that he's based on the j70s are you know they're they were fascinating engines i i don't believe any of them have survived but they were uh, by all accounts, really interesting engines. At least they're interesting in pictures. So yeah, right. Um, now, now we have uh, we move on to Mrs. Kindly's Christmas. Yes. Um, and this is the first holiday story um, yeah. of the Railway series, and and, and, um, and this always 
puzzled me as a kid, yes. I guess, just like reading this just because, um, A, it wasn't used in the TV series other than as a flashback yeah. for Thomas's Christmas party. And also because, um, you know, we, uh, the conventional idea of what Christmas is, is snow mm-hmm. and a white. And this is just a rainy standard English Christmas, <laughs> um, yeah. which is, uh, you know, rainy and muddy and, you know, not, not what we're used to necessarily, or at least not what we idealize Christmas to be right. most of the time. So even though, even though often our Christmases do look like this. So depending of course, where, where you live, our, our listeners, um, yeah. but um, here in the U S that's, that's often how they, how they look in, as long as you live in a temperate environment in December. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but this is nice. It's nice again um, to have an interaction with another human character. Right. This is really the first time that we, um, that we do have, um, we established that someone is a you know a friend of the engines. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the fact that in uh, Thomas and Trouble, it mentions that the policeman was a friend of, um, or that Thomas was a friend of the former policeman. Right. Um, but the, yeah, this is a nice little story. Um, uh, it's I suppose it's not very memorable, but only because it's one of the very few of the Reverend stories, at least from the early books, that was not directly adapted to the TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, it only mentioned as a flashback in Thomas's Christmas party, which was a, um, which was written by, of course, um, by Reverend Audrey based on a story by Bert Croft and David Mitten. Right. Uh, it, this has always been an interesting one for me as well. You know, I mean, similar to you, I was always slightly confused when I read this book when I was younger, you know, because obviously it, having seen uh, Thomas's Christmas party, And then reading Mrs. Timeless Christmas, it's like, you know, we have a fuller, a whole story based on a single scene in that episode. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, You know, I wonder why we don't have the rest of the Christmas party. And now, of course, I know that Thomas's Christmas party wasn't written until many years later when they were writing the first season of the TV series. But... Right, um, but it's it's always been interesting. Uh, Mrs. Kindly is an interesting character. She pops up every now and then, more so in the TV series, but... uh, I do believe she pops up every now and again. Um, and the thing is, going by the TV series, I had always assumed that Mrs. Kindly live, lived alone. Um, but in, in the Railway Series version, she has a husband who was written out of the TV series for some reason. Yeah, I guess they, yeah, just... Uh, yeah, uh, wasn't time to mention him. <laughs> so. I mean, he doesn't really do or say much in the book. He's not a major character or anything, so I can see why they wrote him out. But I don't know. Yeah, I guess they just wanted a nice little old old lady. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, interesting, nice little story. It um, is, but nothing, nothing remarkable. It is interesting that this is um, the illustration of her house, and you know, and it being beside the line. That's it's one of the few sets that's recreated almost exactly yes. in the TV series. Yes. Um, it, it looks exactly like that um, uh, in the TV series. It, it's a, that's a, a great, um, you know, a great capture of that yeah. particular, um, particular environment. My favorite illustration in the book is actually the second um, illustration right. with her waving out the window to Toby and it through the window and the window is uh, framed um by two pictures on the side, I, I was um, mention, one of Thomas and one of Toby. I was about to so mention a nice... the framed pictures of Thomas and Toby next to her window. That's that's great little detail there. I love that. Yeah, it's a nice, nice little touch, and and again, just cool that you know these people realize how lucky they are to have these lovely engines 
um, that puff by them every single day. Yeah. Um, now the dressing gown thing, um, Christopher doesn't really mention what this story is based on because uh, as I've said in, in this and previous reviews that we've done, I like to look to uh, Christopher's uh, Christopher Audrey's reading between the lines book to uh, find some of the inspiration behind these stories. Now he doesn't really mention exactly what this is based on, but apparently there was an account in the railway children of a, of an engine being flagged down by a red dressing gown, although he doesn't give the exact story for this one, but Hmm. yeah. So, uh, but yes, apparently a red dressing gown uh, being used to flag down a locomotive has not been unheard of. So yes, I found that interesting. Um, of course, the story concludes with Mrs. Kindly being sent to Bournemouth to get better. Uh, and she apparently is on that trip to Bournemouth for a long time because we wouldn't really see her again until uh, Thomas's Christmas party. Uh, what's uh, 32 years later? Give her, give her take, yes. <laughs> That's a long uh, trip to Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a, a nice little story, a nice way to close up this book. I would say it's it's probably my least favorite story of the book. Yes. Um, not that it's a bad story, no. but it's probably my least favorite. Um, I if I had to rank these stories, I would probably say um, uh, Thomas in Trouble, followed by Dirty Objects, followed by Toby and the Stout Gentleman, followed by uh, Mrs. Kindly's Christmas. Right. Yeah, I I would say that. You know, I I would agree with that definitely. Um, I I just think that this is such a charming little book. You know, and. It's it's again not one of necessarily my favorites, but it's it's one that it's just so charming, you know. I there's and and Toby in general is a fun little character, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, great great way to introduce this character and and just that you know he kept he kept these stories coming and uh, and and kept new characters coming and yeah. uh, and new new uh, new prototypes, you know, new new bases for these uh for these engines right. so it's it's great and you know i mentioned earlier that this is a world building book and it really is i mean because as we mentioned in toby the stout gentleman there's uh you know we um we have we see the tramway we see a, a part of the world that is not silver for the entire first story um in thomas in trouble we get the um we get the quarry, uh, the quarry tramway at the end of his branch line, and then you know, in Mrs. Kindly's Christmas, we get her roadside cottage, um, and so this really is a world-building story in that we we meet so many people, we see so many new things, and you know, in the first story, we get the first hint that not everything is necessarily going well in the real world, and it's the first time that. Um, I mean, I know that we sort of get a small hint of it in Troublesome Engines, but this is really the first time that we're faced with the reality that railways are changing and not necessarily for the better. So Right. Yeah, so that was uh, that was Toby the Tram Engine, and yeah. uh, we hope that you enjoyed that. We'll have more Railway Series book reviews on the way, yeah. more Shining Time Station, more uh, Thomas and Friends episode commentaries as well for the TV series. Yes. But you can uh, find us on Twitter at TalkingThomas1, Facebook.com slash TalkingThomasPod, and you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
Anchor is our home, many other podcast platforms. And uh, we thank you for listening. Yes, thank you so much. And have a good day, everybody.